What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 85 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise.co.uk and sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pewen, as ever. And for the second time this week, actually, I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, every time I die Friday, Mastodon, sorry, every time I die Monday, we recorded. Mastodon, we're recording this on a Wednesday and it's air and we're going to release on a Friday. What a week, right? 2021. It's been good, hasn't it? It's been very good. Um... This we, we had a brief conversation about it a few days ago, but this year is starting to be like like a year that you can tell people about. Yeah. Like we talk about that 2005 year. We talk <clears> about like we talked about years in the great goat metal list and things like that that were like, oh my god, these all came out within a few months ago, a few months of each other. There's a chance that this year has that kind of quality because looking looking at the list of things that have come out this year, I mean, that. I think there's not just like a few albums that are competing for album of this year. There are like six albums that would be album of the year in any of the last four. Yeah, quite possibly. It, it's it's unlike anything I I can remember of recent memory. I mean, we're going to talk about this in a little bit more detail in a moment, but Gajira, Mastodon and Trivium have all released great albums this year. Bit of a spoiler for this review there, but... You know, and those are three real headline metal acts all coming out in 2021 with three great, great records. When's that happened before? I can't remember. It's I can't remember a time in recent memory where three like metal, real headline heavyweights have all come out the same year and all done a really great record. Maybe there is one recently, and I just can't remember. But off the top of my head, I can't think of one in like the last five, six years. I don't think there is. But on top of that, imagine if I told you uh, some of the top really good metal releases were Trivium, Mastodon, Gajira, Carcass, At The Gates. Yeah, yeah, like, brilliant. And Cradle yeah. of Filth. And Cannibal Corpse. Like, and Cannibal Corpse. You'd be like, I can't tell if this is 1997 yeah. or 2017. There's no there's no way to, to, to really judge. Um, yeah, I mean... We said this a couple of times. It's it's nice to repeat it. From a recording and releasing standpoint, metal's as healthy as it has ever been. Easily. Easily. If you are a Mastodon fan and you are wondering who we are, me and Sam are the Noise Podcast. We come to you usually every fortnight via YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Me and Sam will be there. The best way to support us is to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or if you're using any of the service to like slash follow whatever kind of following system that service uses. I said fortnightly we usually come to you, but because of special releases, we do episodes dedicated solely to that record. And today's episode, as you can see, is dedicated solely to Mastodon's new record, Hushed and Green. Before we start the review, you can follow me and Sam on Twitter at Noise Podcast. We both run that account. If you haven't checked out our review of Every Time I Die's Radical, we posted that on Monday and that will actually be out on the day that we release this episode. But that is a just ridiculous album and a review that I genuinely, genuinely enjoyed doing with Sam. Uh, that was a really, really special moment for us to get that album early and a real, real special conversation. However, Sam, no need to keep people waiting here. Let's go. Let's talk about Mastodon's new album. Hushed and Grim is out on October 29th via Reprise Records. It's the band's ninth album and the follow-up to 2017's Emperor of Sand. I'm going to start off with a really difficult question for you here, Sam, that I've literally just thought about in the last five seconds. We just said Mastodon. Trivium and Gajira, three metal heavyweights of all released records in this year. They're all great, great records. 
I would like you to rank them, specifically those three. Tough, in, tough Thank indeed. And the fact you're having such difficulty and I'm having such difficulty speaks to the greatness of all three of those records because all three of those records we have been wax lyrical about. We've been foaming at the mouth, enjoying, saying how brilliant they are. So it speaks to the greatness of the album that we're going to talk think, about here. I think um, I think you'd have to ask me on a day specific. So Trivium and Mastodon are joint tied and Gajira Gij- and below, I believe, at the moment because I don't think they have the track by track supremacy of the Mastodon Trivium album. I think, I think for as a concise uh, release, perhaps Trivium has the least fat, I would say. Mm. But I think this, I think this Mastodon album is um, as pretty much as good as it gets for their entirety of their career, to be honest. And I've, I've been doing, I've been doing some deep diving, um, on their previous releases over the last couple of days as well, which is something um, something I only tend to ever do if I, if I if I need to make bold claims, and this is this is one of those days where I think I need to make a few bold claims. Um, yeah, I think I think I think it's I think it's so tough. I think um, I think I think the way that the Trivium album is constructed lends itself to that being a better album as a whole to digest perhaps to digest but um this mastodon album has my favorite song of the year and my favorite collection of music of the entire year as well um and really by by far and away my favorite like moment of of the entire year discussing music so while i think that mastodon has the highest ceiling I think perhaps Trivium is the more consistent record. I think I think Mastodon could have got away with this being maybe 14 songs rather than 16 or maybe 13 or something like that. Mm. But but we'll discuss all that in depth. So I think it's incredibly close. Uh, asked me yesterday, I said Mastodon asked me today. I'm thinking maybe Trivium as a whole album, but it's really, really tough. It is one of those things where it's like that final shootout scene in like a Clint Eastwood movie. I forgot the actual name of the film uh, where there's there's the three of them there all standing there pointing a gun and it just happens to be the one that happened to get the gun out the, the holster office. first. <laughs> yeah. It just happens to be the one that got the gun out the holster first. I can't believe I forgot the name of the movie. I'm completely blanking on it. About the good, my- the bad, the ugly? I think it might be the good, the bad, and the ugly. Actually, no, 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 no. It's not. It's not that. It's like one that came out in like the the late sixties, and it's like a real classic. Oh, and, there's, and there's like uh, there's like a, a moment in the in the in the film where like it's a three way Mexican standoff. Imagine being a desperate Mastodon fan, and we're just going to complete these films in the first five minutes. <laughs> like, who, the, who the fuck are these? <laughs> there's like a, a three way Mexican standoff, and like the camera shoots into each other's eyes, and you're waiting for who's going to pull the pistol out first. And if it was Gajira, Trivium, and Mastodon doing that three-hour Mexican standoff, for me, it, it is literally, we're splitting hairs in the difference of who pulls the pistol first. For me, I think Mastodon would, would probably be the best of the three, to which I'd then put Fortitude by Gajira second in the Court of the Dragon by Trivium third. But it, it really is, I mean, we are splitting hairs to separate the three because they're three absolutely fantastic records. Uh, you, I'd love to follow your credence there, Sam. Uh, let's stop talking about Clint Eastwood and start talking more about Mastodon. Um, I think Mastodon, Sam, are like a real, real one-off. 
and and perhaps Mastodon are the greatest example, with the exception of Slipknot, of a one-off that we have in the 21st century of metal, because not only are Mastodon a band that you stumble across that are incredibly talented as musicians, but I, I genuinely can't think of a case where you've got four musicians, including Bell Kelleher, who's the rhythm guitarist, but specifically I just want to focus on Brand Dale, the drummer, uh, Brent Hines, lead guitarist, and, and uh, Troy Sanders, bassist, because those three, not only are they f- unbelievable musicians, they're amazing vocalists as well. And that gives Mastodon this ability to really have an open-ended book on however they want to build any given song. They can deliver it in whichever way they want to. Brand Dyla, I mean, how he drums and sings the way he does, I, I do not understand. I mean, I'd need that explained to me. But Brand has got the more high-pitched, melodic, clean voice. True Sanders got that real rasp. And Brent Hines has got that like real southern edge to it. It's three different vocal styles that allow Mastodon to really do whatever they want. Then you add in the fact that the three unbelievable musicians and you've got Bill Kelleher as well, who's an unbelievable musician and occasionally chimes in with backing vocals. They're just such a one-off. Sam, I just, I just can't think of a scenario where you get this again. Musicians as talented as Mastodon that are also as fantastic vocally as Mastodon. I, I don't think we get this again. I don't think anybody sounds anything like them either. Not just the variation that they can they can achieve. They, the, the actual concoction putting together is unlike anything I've ever heard. Um, how are they simultaneously heavy and melodic? Yeah, I, I don't get this. Like, like because usually bands wait their turn for those two things. Um, and the more I'm thinking about it now, the more I'm starting to think that maybe this Mastodon album is actually slightly better than the Trivium album. But that's... I'm already like questioning myself since my yeah. call like 30 seconds ago. It's just so tough. But anyway, uh, it's okay. It's okay. I'm rethinking it. It's lighter. Um, but the thing is with Mastodon is the riffs are incredibly downtuned and heavy and chuggy and sludgy. And almost like um, some of these riffs are doom riffs yep. at times. Stallion riffs as well. 100%. Um, but the vocals over the top gives it such a haunting melodic quality that it completely lifts it and takes it into a different different sort of auditory space um at times these are these are obviously a progressive metal band in moments but they're also a hard rock band in others a traditional heavy metal band at other places as well and as i mentioned at times they're fledging to doom occasionally into like bits of thrash um and then also you got brandale at the back who appears to be trying to play like jazz on, on drums at various points of some of his grace notes and high artwork who, who, by, who by the way is an incredible 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 drummer who does not ever need to seem to rely upon like double kick pedals and blast beats to to match riffs um which i think um i think is incredibly valuable i think if you were if you were sitting any drummer down he was getting into metal drumming um alongside listening to the sort of classics um, your Jordison's Adler's Lombardo, that type of stuff. You would also say, man, listen to this guy because he is playing for a really heavy band, but he's not doing anything that typically metal drummers do. And I think that's that's really um worth crediting as a side note. But and he sings yeah, as the way that he sings as well, which and is he insane. Sings the, 
and he sings the way that he sings as well, which is obviously, of course, insane. That all three of them have terrific voices, mm. and it's the way that they blend with each other, the way that they occasionally do group vocals to give weight, but they occasionally sort of vary off each other. Um, this is where Mastodon separate themselves from every traditional metal band in the way that they are so incredibly unique and really musical and I, I sense really strange every band is musical to a degree but not like this there's a soul there's a soul to mastodon and there's a complete just oneness in terms of what they're trying to do a complete otherness away from every classic metal trope they don't use any seem to use any classic metal tropes like at all um it's it's refreshing um as much as it is sort of enjoyable and complex for the, for the listener. Um, but as well as that, which makes it sound like it's a really difficult album to get into and a progressive album and a complicated one to listen to, even ignoring the song length, I actually think this is the most accessible Mastodon album for a little bit. In moments, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I know the song length is tough and there are moments of this that are incredibly complex, but some of these, some of these choruses are pop choruses masquerading behind rock riffs and metal riffs. Some of these moments are absolutely superb. And I also think as well that considering it's largely progressive and complicated, the barrier is starting to come down between the band and a certain type of audience, where if you wanted to listen to Mastodon, you really had to kind of put aside a day and be like, all right, I'm going to listen. You can't like, I've read, I read some articles on them earlier today and there was like, you know, um, reviews of albums like Crack the Sky. What song would you pick out of Crack the Sky to show someone to explain that stuff? You couldn't, could you? No. I mean, you, maybe what was it? Lead the Barons, like 13 minutes is, is one of the highlights. Um, you'd have to be like, no, no, you need to put an hour aside to, to listen and consume. Or I actually think that, that on this, uh, and they received a little bit of criticism, didn't they? Sort of once more around the sun and all that sort of stuff that they sort of went in a bit too of a sort of poppier sort of direction or at least a shorter direction or whatever. And I think they've actually combined some of the best elements of their career here because I think it's as progressive as Crack the Sky is in places, not as long or sort of luxurious or like a weaving tapestry the way that Crack the Sky was. But it also features some of the pop rock punch that we've heard at various points in their career like songs like Curl the Burl and, and things like that from earlier in their career that are like legitimate singles. Um, we're actually hearing that here with like songs like, you know, like Pushing the Tides and Tear Drinker and things like that. And, and that is also being mixed with some of the more progressive, lengthier songs. So in that sense, um, regardless of what opinion you walk away, whatever type of Mastodon fan you are, of which I assume there are several different versions of that, 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 that group. Um, I think this is their most complete album and their most simultaneously accessible and also at times musically complex. I, I it, it's it's really it's really the more I think about it, explaining it out loud, all my different sort of scattered thoughts about it. It really is an astonishing, um, astonishing sort of feat that I've managed to put this together. Uh, the first time I listened to this was was an incredible experience. It really was. I think, Sam, when we look at what Mastodon have done over the last two decades, you mentioned this when we're doing the Every Time I Die review, and I said, I think Every Time I Die are yeah. arguably the, the greatest band of the 21st century when it comes to consistency. And, and you said, well, I think Mastodon are, are right behind them, if not the metal version of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not really familiar, like in terms of 
a grand knowledge of Mastodon. I wouldn't claim to be someone who knows Mastodon a great amount. So I'm not really familiar with the Hunter. I'm not really familiar with Once More Around the Sun, even though I do love the Motherload. That song is incredible. I think Once More Around the Sun is incredible. Song. Um, I'm not really familiar. Yes, I'm not really familiar with the Hunter or Once More Around the Sun or Blood Mountain, but Leviathan, Crack the Sky, and Emperor of Sand are all these superb, superb metal records that push the boundaries of what this genre can be, all while kind of infusing these elements of sludge, stoner, and progressive metal. So I feel like perhaps it would be unfair for me to say that Mastodon have been the, the best 21st century metal band, but maybe you can weigh in on that. Would you say that in terms of consistency, they are? Because I, I know that they, are, they are, I think they might have had the most Grammy nominations of any metal band outside of Slipknot in the 21st century, I believe. I know they've definitely won one Grammy for Curse of Sultan, best metal performance. Um, but yeah, would you say that Mastodon are pound for pound the best metal band of the 21st century when it comes to consistency? I think I think so. I think yeah. so. I don't think they've released a bad album. Um, and I think they've released at least four excellent ones. Um, well, I well, the voice and Crap Sky and Emperor of Sand are incredible, as is this. So, yeah, and, I, and, I, would, yeah, and I, I would, I would chuck in Blood Mountain. I think he's really, really good. Um, so even if, and and I was looking at like I've, I was looking at like Reddit posts today of like what the right. the fan consensus like yeah. of like you know how like I always use the Metallica example, but Master of Puppets and Justice Roll and Ride the Lightning fans will be arguing about those three albums, which one's the best. Mm. forever yeah. and and I, and I wondered if there was like a debate that existed within mastodon fans that's similar because uh, there has to be right like there, there always is and there is and like it's the leviathan blood mountain crack the sky trio which is like people arguing what the the early mastodon that intense furious shorter mastodon was was that them at their peak and then obviously the more progressive fans um i'm gonna make i'm gonna make a bold claim here, Chris, um, that Mastodon are this generation's rush. Okay, carry on. Um, because they at, at album at album nine, um, they've established themselves as arguably the best progressive metal band on the planet for consistency and, and things like that. They've also armed themselves with a um really devoted and rabid and very specific fan base. They also, to wit, have no landmark universal singles at all. Um, you might say, oh, Blood and Thunder, fine. It was on Need for Speed once in 2005, but no one's filling nightclubs for Blood and Thunder. It's just not mm. happening. It doesn't have that impact, right? Mm. And yet, every single year, they come out and bring an album out. It gets five stars in every 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 publisher. Yeah. Fan base loves it. It's consistent every two or three years, and they're becoming legendary in the moment because of the musicianship, which was the Rush thing. So, like, even in the seventies and eighties, Rush were a young band, but people were like tapping their shoulder, being like, "Have you seen Neil Peart?" And and people talk about Geddy Lee and, and the, the musicianship, and they, they were redefining all this stuff. And they were like, "You know what? We're gonna we're gonna release this this entire concept album, and it's gonna be like." one song across the first side of vinyl and it's just we'd never and 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 they're sort of like reinventing themselves all the time and then after a few albums of that they went to a different type of genre and i think mastodon have done the reverse they came out as almost like a punky metal thrash band at times that became steadily more progressive 
And every time they've every time they've done that, they've picked up a different fan base. Where again, Rush, I think, are universally respected, if not universally, uh, but not universally loved. Right? Mm. Um, people like not a big fan of Geddy Lee. Not for me. Not a fan of the voice. But can't argue with X, Y, and Z. Mm. I feel like Mastodon are that are that kind of band. Now, I actually think that they're becoming more sort of not radio friendly, but sort of universally accessible in a way that Rush never wanted to be. Um, but I think that Mastodon have the similar tropes of being a massive progressive metal band, which is what progressive rock was 30 years ago. Then with this rabid fan base that is steadily increasing and really just albums of excellence where fans will spend hours arguing over which one's the best because they've, they, that you talk about eras of bands. Mastodon are like that. Mastodon have eras of themselves you know, where people are like, I prefer 2004, 2007 Mastodon. People are like, no, I prefer this middle progressive bit. People will be like, no, I prefer Emperor of Sand onwards. And they're like, there's like three beginning to defined eras. And I think that only happens with bands that have like that rabid, ridiculously intense fan base that just occupy the internet. And Rush were absolutely like that in a pre-internet stage. People used to take drumsticks to Rush gigs, to airdrum and stuff. And like, like they were just like obsessed with the musicianship and things like that. And I think, I think Mastodon have that kind of react relationship with their fans and that kind of respect around the industry, but also they're not like, without going so much of a tangent, they're not like Slipknot. They don't have that one duality, like massive collection of songs. Like, you know what I mean? Is there a, is there a number one Mastodon song? I don't, I don't think there is, but there's like collections of like great albums that you need to dive into. And you need to like, like when you said, I need to start getting to Mastodon, you sat down and listened to three albums. You didn't yeah. listen to like five singles. You knew no, going no. in that was yeah. how you. And if I tried to get you into Rush, which I've which I've done like twice, um, I was like I was like sit down, and listen to moving pictures, right? Do you don't 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 listen to the singles, all this spare bits from here and there. You need to listen to the albums and different eras and decide which version you like. I think Springsteen's a little bit like that. You you don't listen to albums, you like eras and stuff. So yeah, Mastodon Rush. That's what I'm going with. That's my theory. What I'd like to say about this album, Sam, as we get into it, is that like every Mastodon album that I'm really familiar with, so Leviathan, Crap Sky and Emperor of Sand, it sets itself apart from other Mastodon albums. Right. Mm-hmm. I personally have never heard a Mastodon record doused in such desolate sadness as Hushed and Grimmies. Uh, obviously, that makes sense. And when you add in the context that this record is a nod, to the, the tragic death of their friend and manager, Nick John, who uh, tragically died of pancreatic cancer in 2018. But this is 90 minutes of this brooding, emotional, intelligent genius wrapped in alternative music. It's metal in broad strokes, but as we discussed, calling it specifically metal is quite reductive, I feel. In my experience of Mastodon, this is the least metal I've heard them in my experience of Mastodon, but no less brilliant. I should make that claim. Uh, There are huge mammoth choruses here that only Mastodon could have written with such power and emphasis because of the three vocalists at their disposal. And similarly, there are moments of real like obtuse ardor that only Mastodon could have written as well because of the brilliance of the musicians. Uh, This is a unique, demanding, progressive offering in every sense of the word. And I think it's the Mastodon record that I, in my experience of Mastodon, would never like closest to the idea of being a musical experience. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I I also think that 
alongside it being demanding it there are also moments of it that are that are incredibly incredibly accessible and incredibly compelling and engaging i think there are some moments on here that actually i've often found myself enjoying mastodon albums almost despite my own instincts of what i enjoy about songwriting and listen to a mastodon album and thinking it's not for me but it's brilliant yeah or it's not my fight. It's not what I wish they did with this song, but it's superb sort of thing. I enjoy the musicianship. I enjoy the complexity. I enjoy the ambition. Um, almost the same way that you sort of look at a, a great work of art um, and you just appreciate sort of the, the, the colour pageantry or whatever it might be. I'm obviously not an art critic, but um, like, let's just look at, let's just look at Pain with an Anchor. It's just the opener for a start. Um, the moment you heard Thunderous Drums to begin that song, you were naturally hoping as a listener, I think, that it went into this rollicking, crash crash and burn type Mastodon track um, that really sort of like kept the gas on the pedal. Because the moment you hear those toms, you hope the riff kicks in soon. Yeah, and I love the way they're fading as well. I love the way they're fading slowly. I love that build. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I got like, um, oh, maybe this is going to be like at their first like really like heavy, chunky, almost like Sepultura riffs and toms type. Uh, combination i was like fantastic but it doesn't um it clicks into this like swaying off kilter rhythm and this beautiful melody this gorgeous echoey ambient guitar that cascades into this darker minor melody and again you, you find yourself like oh like completely caught off guard by the direction that they decided to take but then you listen to it as a complete thing and it's a work of art this song this opening tune is because the way that it just fades from one idea into another, it's beautifully structured, despite the fact that it's made of so many little complex transitions that I would love to know again. I always say it's a lot of time with these progressive bands, whether this is a natural thing or do they piece things together like a puzzle or like a, a, a cabinet or work of architecture where it's just fit into the right little gaps. Because sometimes it sounds like one and, and sometimes it sounds like the other. And and that that is the thing that I'm talking about here where they... um. They are a demanding band, but they are also just an utterly brilliant and really encapsulating band. And the first time I felt that this album was special, really, um, was The Crooks, the second song. Yeah, that's a special, special song, that is. That is incredible. It really, really is. So that that hell of a riff just jumps right out the oh. gate. Beautiful faded intro. Um, that mirror with these sort of octave riffs that sort of come over the top of it. And then it goes to this like freneticism lighter. And once again, there's gone the band are thrashing in the background. And then the vocals over the top are just beautiful. Like really, really, really incredible. And it's like Jekyll and Hyde type of thing. It's just a complete juxtaposition. And somehow works. It's the hot, it was obviously the highlight song so far, but we're only at track two. I think the verse riff is just superb. I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful song. The juxtaposition of the heavy chords and the higher bent strings is incredible. The bridge is classic Mastodon. It's got these unique riffs that combine with the tribal drumming, shifting from a dime at the two minute 49 second into like this serenading solo that feels like a Megadeth song and also like a little bit of Pink Floyd, incredibly. And this is a song that felt like a classic Mastodon track like a minute and a half ago. Um, and also um, there's a bluesy, there's a bluesy, guitar bending quality to some of the solos here that reminded me of like occasional like guns and roses and, and like light era rock roll that appears rock and roll that appears to be completely lost in metal at the moment when guitar solos happen in progressive songs 
and there's a classic rock key that just is just wonderful and then right back onto the riff to, to sort of finish that's the first song that's like for me like like a beautiful masterpiece of create like that they've created and i think there are at least like four or five that feel like that along this along this album i love the crooks as well uh, that kind of gritty distorted explosion into brent hines lead riff we're going to speak about brent hines in a minute something we talk about more than i could chew because for the love of God. okay um i wanted to quickly talk about sickle and peace because they've released yes. that song as a single today but sickle and peace is choice is the first like mum on the album where a whole new complexity is brought in because Pain with an Anchor and the Crooks both build um this kind of progressive metal kind of fight arena where all these ideas are thrown in. And Sickle and Peace for me is where it becomes more jazzed, a more leering track. And then at the two-minute mark. It transforms into this hard rock edged kind of barnstormer. There's a there's a clean riff that comes into the chorus rhythm from um, the rhythms being delivered by Bill Kelleher, and that the solo <laughs> that comes after oh, it is magical. absolutely ridiculous. It is it is. I mean, it's one of those things that you know you sit and you listen, and it really doesn't matter what else you're doing. You can focus on nothing else because sickle and peace for me, is prog metal at its absolute best. Because yeah. I told you, like, Mastodon are the band that have got me into progressive metal. I wouldn't be interested in the idea of Tool if it wasn't for Mastodon. And it's actually mostly down to you because we were kind of talking about it before and you were like, dude, just listen to, crack the, you're like, dude, listen to crack the Sky because it, it's really heavy and it and it will really deliver the the punch and fire that you love in metal. But it's also like incredibly intelligent. And when I listened to Crack the Sky, I was like, yeah, it's this is in, this is incredibly intelligent. And it really, really brought me into what prog metal can be. And I think I even said to you on the podcast before, I, was like, I don't think that I dislike prog metal. I just dislike prog metal when it's not Mastodon doing it. Because I think Mastodon... Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Mastodon are amazing. Oh, that's that's it. Um yeah. But, dude, okay, man, let, we go to it more than I could chew. Uh, those, I mean, this this song, oh, my God. Um, the strings that open this are manipulated to build this kind of dreary summoning metal riff that's got this kind of razor-sharp bite. Huge riff. Massive. Bran Dyla on this song, both in terms of drumming and his vocals, is out of this stratosphere, mate. Uh, around the three and a half minute mark, there's this kind of doom laden riff that turns the track from this boasting metal song to something a bit more laboured and solemn. No less brilliant. The dual vocals that you feel building, they, they did this moment where they build with the, with the, with the dual vocals. Sometimes it is slightly difficult to figure out which vocalist it is because you've, you're focusing on the riff, you're focusing yeah. on the drum pattern, you're focusing on Troy's, ba- on Troy's bass, and then you're thinking, oh, hang on, which vocalist is it again? Um, but it builds and builds and builds, Sam, and that it leads to this massive explosive instrumental that finishes with Bran screaming, say when, and I'll come running back over the top of it. And that live will just be bellowed back at the band for the rest of their career. And the solo that comes after the chorus, I mean, Sam, like 
when we talk about a band like Mastodon, I really do kind of give you uh, the floor in terms of your, you know, you're the musician out of the two of us, your knowledge of how music gets pieced together. So I've kind of given rough ideas there from someone who doesn't know what it's like to play an instrument about what's great about this song. I'm fascinated to hear you be able to pick this apart from a true musician's standpoint. So I think this is one of the most incredible metal songs I've ever heard. Yeah, this is um this is the song of 2021. Yeah, I and knew last, I knew this would be a choice. I knew this would be a choice. Yeah. This is the last this the last two and a half minutes of my favorite piece of music that I've heard this yeah. year. Yeah. Um it's just oh my god. Um yeah. so so what's what's going on um as far as I can as far as I can piece together from a, from a musical standpoint is there's that there's that sliding riff that's not quite on the beat that down or that kind of like opening chords, right? And that's what's allowing um, brand the drummer is he, he he can play a beat and then he can essentially finish off the phrase by playing a drum fill to, to get the next bar in so that's why he's always doing that and yeah. he's sort of finishing on that on that final snare hit which is everything this grandeur and his size um so you've got the deeper riffs the lower version the really guitar is playing but the beautiful part is that melody that which is what is it's like an octave, which is what you're playing the higher version of the yeah. chord further down. But you're obviously just sort of echoing them together, so it just adds this level of just just size and grandeur to the music. Obviously, there's a beautiful vocal melody going on over the top of it, which is halfway mimicking the chords, but also sort of going beyond it and filling the space as the as the chords play out, and then the solo kicks in, and it just adds an entirely different level for me this is like comfortably numb-esque beauty for me this is just um extraordinary i i want to sit next to a few of our prog metal enjoying friends as they experience this the first time um like i think this is just going to be an incredible moment for them and a sort of a landmark song um because I think it is just absurd. But I want to shout out as well, this is not a traditional heavy metal solo. This is not the solo that he could have written if he wanted to give five minutes thought going into it, where he just oh, Brent Hines. tap in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where he just wants to like, like tap, shred a little bit, do a pinch harmonic and just do a big run at the end as it fades out and whatever. No, no, no. This is legitimately a guitar solo played entirely from instinct and feel. And, and you can just tell because the, it's not it's not a collection of structured like you can hear a guitar solo. Right. And you can like say it's like four bars and you can hear that the guy has planned every single note. Right. And he's practiced it. And it's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. You know, I'll play these bends on this pentatonic scale. Then I'll go here. Then I'll do the sweet pick in here. Then I'll finish on the tapping and I'll harmonize that note. Right. And that'll be the that'll be the octave higher than the final chord of the thing. And that's the way it works, you know. But and it's just like this like methodical piece together, like tapestry, which is fantastic. But I have always contended, in my personal opinion, that the best songs are the solos that do not feel that way, that are almost improvisational, that you feel like the studio engineer seems to have captured a magical moment in time that would never have been ha- never have been repeated at any other moment, that we're just so lucky to have got that that guitarist playing over that song at that particular moment. So I feel like that when I heard like Night Train by Guns N' Roses and that solo at the end, where I feel like if you asked Slash to do that a hundred more times, it wouldn't sound quite like that one. I feel that way about 
a certain solos on the blackening by machine head where I feel like if you caught them at a different time, maybe clenching the fist as a central halo would not have sounded that good in that moment. And I, I feel that way about this. Um, this, this, this is, this is the, the, the connection between the guitar and the, the melody and the music as a whole seems to piece together to create this incredibly transcendent moment that is just out of this world that coming out of the bridge into this, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And it's so good. It makes an otherwise eight out of 10 Mastodon song completely forgettable until that point. I feel yeah. it feels like a before and after where the yeah. curtain just is utterly lifted and it's a different show. It's yeah. a different song. And to the point where <laughs> I was thinking about that moment, the second time I started pressing play on the album, I was like, oh, great. Half I can't wait to get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and like, like I was like trying to like skip, not skip ahead because it is just so wonderful. The only issue is the fact that it comes so early. And I I, I think that's just the, just the, the best moments on the album that it, nothing else really sort of compares to it. But luckily the album itself, the rest of the album is, is also just utterly wonderful. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. This, the, <laughs> this is incredible. This is yeah. incredible. This is a must. This is a must listen. And if you're a Mastodon fan, I don't know how you don't walk away from that thinking. I've just heard one of the three best Mastodon songs in my lifetime. I just don't know how you walk away from that. It's the best metal song of the year for me. Yes, yes, yes. I'd, I'd say this is this is the best Mastodon song I've ever heard. Like seriously, it's my, it's my favorite. It's my it's, favorite, no doubt about it. It's really, really special. More than I could chew. If you're a Mastodon fan and you're, you're listening to this episode first of all thank you second of all more than i could chew is um it's a special moment it, it, it mastered under the only band that could have wrote that song the same you know every time i die we're like every time i die the only band that could have wrote radicals an album no other band could have wrote more than i could chew apart from mastodon they are the only band that could have done it it's, it's amazing so good it's superb I, 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 it is it is utterly incredible and then the beast and it's like oh this band can also be periphery Great, yeah, we love the bass. Brent Hines' vocal, I think, like the bass is like it's a the country first time... song in the verse. Yeah, what's happening? The bass is like the first time where I think Brent Hines' vocals really turn up and, and have real have a real kind of emphasis and punch to them. And as how fascinating is that kind of pop sensibility to the chorus? How many metal bands yeah. write a better metal melody than Mastodon? I think I actually it's on the car on the way back from Liverpool the other day. But how many metal bands write a better metal melody than Mastodon? All time, no. But let's talk contemporary metal. I, I, a better metal melody than Mastodon. It's a thin list. I'm not gonna. It, it I'm not gonna expect just to run off the run off the entire list of metal bands for it throughout you know the last twenty last twenty years. But it, it, it's an incredibly tiny list. It's, if if yeah, there is a list to do, if there is a list to do, it's 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 the first couple Slipknot albums from mm-hmm. like a melodic standpoint, my Volume Three stuff. Mm. It's a couple of hand-picked, and I mean hand-picked Gajira songs. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's and it's the same with Avenged and Trivium. But in terms of like consistency, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that many bands have done it as often. Um, but off the top of my head, those are the bands that stick out to me. Well, yeah, and that's fair. But then if we consider the fact that like Blood and Thunder was was out in what two thousand four, and then yeah. you've got the Cesar, which was on Crack the Sky in two thousand nine. Then you've got the Motherload which is on Once More Around the Sun. Mastodon are just 
are just this absolute machine of, of producing these metal melodies that sound again it's because of, it's because of the three vocalists at their disposal which are, they they're a real one-off one-off you won't get this again you it's just too unlikely yeah i, I love the beast um mate tear drinker another single one of Incredible. the one of the great mastodon guitar harmonies open that song one of the yeah, great mastodon guitar harmonies opening there's a lovely uh tearing vocal melody from brent as well but that opening guitar harmony is one of the great mastodon opening guitar harmonies it's a beautiful beautiful dual vocal in the middle eight where the tone just gets turned down a dial and the culmination of the vocals on top of the riff is, is stunning and yet again like clockwork brent hines turns up again with another mind-bending solo there's a drum roll back into the chorus by branch genius and the chorus itself is wonderful and just god bless at this point mate i'm thinking god bless this band and pushing the tides is uh, another single um it's one of those it's like i wish they wouldn't have released it as a single because i think that would have been such a such an amazing moment for mastodon fans to kind of discover on the record because I feel like, uh, and you can either agree or disagree here, Sam, but I feel like pushing the tides is as appropriate for radio as Mastodon could ever or have ever sounded without sacrificing anything. Yeah, I agree. I I, I agree. I, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's got it's got a dis, it's got a really heavy discordal riff at the start as well, which doesn't actually make it sound like you're actually going to experience a melodic chorus later on. Um, it's just it's just a terrific terrific melody that just drives this chorus through. And there's that I love I love the riff. It's sharp and heavy. Um, I love tear I love tear drinker as well. Um, the 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 sort of dual solo that happens where he changes the I don't know if it's a different guitarist that switch over or maybe he changes the effects of the solo the second time. But it's almost like a completely different song in the second half of that solo as well, which I absolutely love. Um, they that's the that's the thing here is is this this album is very very cleverly put together, where alongside the um progressive challenging tracks there are like sort of punchy appetizers in between to sort of break it up really really nicely and this is what i'm talking about like i don't if you're not a big fan of progressive mastodon and you like early mastodon then pushing the tides is is, is for you and tear drinker yeah. is for you yeah um but if you're if you're a fan of progressive mastodon and you like challenge and you want kind of like i want to hear what sort of ambitious riffs that can put together and sounds that they can create. You only have to wait like three and a half minutes because peace and tranquility feels like be- between the buried and me song. Um, because there's like a little jaunty riff with like an interesting melody. And and I'm fairly ambivalent about the song as a whole, to be frank, like the solo is terrific at the end, but that's just a sign where they are able to shift away from the pop melodies if they want to. And then just really push the progressive stuff. And I feel the same way about, about the dagger. It was like his battle cry style verse, which is a bit of a slow burner, but it's still, it's like an atmospheric collection of songs that build up to this sort of quite gripping conclusion, I feel. It's very tribal-esque, isn't it, Dagger? Yeah, It's yeah, something definitely. you'd expect to come from Gajira, coincidentally, because in the conversation mm-hmm. we're having at the start of the show, uh, yeah, Dagger was this, was very um, unusual, and very, like I say, very tribal-esque, and I, I feel like Peace and Tranquility as well was this really obtuse, almost like technical psych song, especially in its opening like minute and a half. Again, it's it's the kind of thing that only Mastodon could have made work, and you've got no idea how they've actually thought of or made this work. I just wanted to address something quickly, Sam. This is a double album. 
And can we say that this is one of the rare, rare occasions where a double album has justified the fact that it's a double album? And that we don't need to have the discussion, well, imagine if Fuel was only on one disc. Sorry, imagine if, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, imagine if Reload and Reload were only on one disc. We don't, I don't think we need to have this conversation about Hushed and Grim. I feel no. like it justifies the fact it's a double album. And where, when do you ever say that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I think actually, I think it's important to, to note that really some of the great double albums have, have often been from non metal genres. Mm. So just reading off famous double albums The Wall, Pink Floyd, The Beatles' White Album, London Calling the Clash, Blonde on Blonde, Physical Graffiti. Songs of the Key of Life, all great albums. But I want to talk about the Biffy Clyro one in case you get upset. Uh, I think you just did. Uh, Quadrophenia, <laughs> um, like The River, which I love, but he's five songs too too much. Usual Illusion is essentially a double album. It doesn't need a second. Load and Reload should be one album. We spoke about that. Um, if, you're, um, if you're a big Smashing Pumpkins fan, uh, Melancholy. Um, it's a double yeah. album yeah yeah and exile on main street is the best rolling stones album by none and that's a double album so that's f- there are examples of great double albums period but in metal it's a thin list it is a very thin list i i would hesitate to suggest that that might that maybe that maybe you had a point because I, I i remember seeing your tweet about it and i think surely Surely, is this Chris just sort of just denying that prog metal's good, and I have to do some research and go to I'mRight.com? But now you, now you, you've you've made a in terms made, of metal, good, like yeah, in terms in terms in terms of in terms of metal, that yeah, there's there's not been a great deal of of really terrific long albums because man, it's it's hard, it's hard to sustain that. I it still is. think this. I still think this Mastodon album personally would be better if it was like 13 or 14 tracks rather than 16. I do, I do feel that way. Yeah, I, um, I think you're right, but it justifies its length in that, yeah, we, but we couldn't miss out more than two. Do you know no, what I mean? Like I we, we need, we need the other 14 and just, just to kind of put a little bit more emphasis on the point, Sam, I remember when there was a rumor that Slipknot were going to do a double album and me and you were like, Oh, for the love of God, no. And we adore yeah. Slipknot. Yeah. We're like, oh my God, please don't do that. Don't do that. I don't, you can't do that. Do you know what I mean? And, and me and you no, adore I... Slipknot. They're like one of my favorite, favorite bands. Agreed. I'm campaigning for the next album to be an EP. <laughs> um, like, I don't want 10 Slipknot songs. Yeah. I don't I'm four. I'll take four. I'm not 14. What are you talking about? Um, I think my math is off, by the way. I think the master album is 14 tracks, by the way, not 16. But um, Oh, so you thought make... 16 because of every time I die, I bet. Yeah, I think I'm getting mixed up. But all right, say 12. It's 15, then, I think. I think it's 15. Than, oh, I'm just terrible at this. I need to number them on my emails. I've just got the titles and I'm trying to be like, is that the title? Is that something I've written about it? Because um, like things like Splendor of Skeleton of Splendor, I mean, like, that could just be a metaphor I've used. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it could be. <laughs> oh, mate, that's got me. It, there is 15 tracks, by the way. Oh, right, that's right, got 15. me. Okay. No, but no. I, I'd, have took, I'd have probably took 12. So Skeptic anyway, it could be a metaphor. <laughs> well, it obviously is. I mean, yeah. Oh man, that's brilliant. Sorry, carry on. That's got me ass. But yeah, so that aside, it is a terrific album that I do feel has a little fat on it. <laughs> Excuse me, but not a great deal. And I'd worry that if I said to Mastodon, 
take three songs out and they're like, okay, and they take out the three that I didn't want them to take. Yeah. Um, I'd be really sad about it. So I'll take the 15 songs and just bank that 11 or 12 of them are terrific. Um, because um, can we talk a little bit about Had It All? Did you expect to hear this at all? I um, uh, band. I fully, fully in- would insist that we talk about Had It All because it's it's moving, Sam. It's beautiful. It, it, it's it's really moving. It's it's something relatively similar to Toe to Toes, but it's yeah. the yeah. it's moving. Well, there's no really other adjective I can give you, Sam. It, it's incredibly moving. This song is. I completely agree. Um, this is a beautiful, beautiful chorus. Really, really, really gorgeous. And the clean, some of the clean acoustic um, picking that's on this is just absolutely wonderful. If I had this minor movement with like a dark solo as well, because you think with ballads, they need to do this like heartwarming little ending where the ballad shifts into a major key and then there's a solo and then everyone's like sort of happy at the end. Um, but it doesn't need to do that. It goes actually darker and, and, and sadder. Um, and this is one of the moments actually where it becomes most poignant. This is clearly an arm of grief. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where had it all comes across. And I, I think it is just utterly, utterly gorgeous. And in classic Mastodon style, that, that song ends. And then Brian Dalla just absolutely murks the drum kit for the 35 seconds and Savage Lands kicks in. Yeah. And it's just a, it's just a brilliantly up-tempo, almost classic Mastodon song featuring that like, I don't know how else to describe it, but like like a desert sand style effect mm-hmm. on like the guitar solo where it sounds like it's very sort of Egyptian-esque or in that sort of like um that key. I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And it's it's hard, it's hard to define, but it, it sounds like everything's kind of underwater as well. And it's like weirdly echoey and ambient. But anyway, no one does that better than Mastodon. And I usually full reference, I usually hate that stuff, man. Where like bands are like, you know, it'd be really good if you couldn't hear this as well. And I'm like, that wouldn't be good at all. Turn everything up, please. Like that, I, I tend to hate that as a decision. Mm. Like when the bands change the vocals and it kind of sounds like blurry and muffled. It's like, who is that for? Um, but this really works. I, I I really really enjoy it, and it just again, it just just shifts the final three songs on here are three completely different Mastodon songs. They're also completely authentically brilliant Mastodon songs for different reasons. Savage Dance is an up-tempo song. Gobblers of Dregs is a classic Mastodon progressive slow um, concluding song with beautiful guitars at the end. And then Eye of Serpents is just them just sort of expanding this progressive, huge theatrical idea that just reminds you again of this real masterpiece of, of sort of size. And this is where it feels at its most orchestral and symphonic um, with, with sort of like just the hint of like this orchestral type, type sounds going behind maybe some string symphonies and just fades into this stunning slow methodical guitar solo again. And as I was hearing that conclusion, I, I was like, okay, um, I think there might be, there might be a chance that it, after, after, in a couple of months I'm deciding that there's Mastodon and then there's a bit of a gap and everyone's fighting for second. Mm. Um, because I think Eyes of Serpents, The Crooks, um, more than I could chew, uh, the two singles, I love, I love the ending of Sickle and Peace. Yeah. There are so, there's so, I love Had It All. And that's, um, and, 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 and 
when we jokingly refer to me as the cynical one, but really it's very rare that I actually hear an album where I'm like, I love seven songs on this album. Yeah, that is, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I usually like, this album's great because I love two and the other eight I can tolerate um, because those two are really, really good. And I absolutely love and adore like six or seven, six or seven of these, the moment this album comes out, straight on a five-star playlist, straight into the rotation of songs I'm listening to as regularly as possible. And I'm not thinking about it ever again. Like that, like that, it's just immediately shifts over. I don't need to go back and decide, do I really, because I often do that where I'm like, do I really like that as much as I did when I listened to it three times in five days? Um, do I actually like it now I'm listening to it for pleasure rather than trying to make a quick decision whether I enjoy it or not? Um, I won't have that debate internally. And thinking about it aloud i said maybe there's three or four songs i loved on the trivium album there's probably two on sleep token there's there's like 12 on every time i die but they all count for half a track because they're so like short and intense yeah yeah uh yeah 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 so in terms of like complete ideas i think it's kind of stunning there's a there's a there's a chance there's a chance this is the album of the year for me there's a chance it has that consideration but at the very least it's a chance that really it's metal's most consistent band, maybe producing one of their best ever albums and an album that we might be, we might be talking about moving forward. It might be, it might be their, might be their mid mid peak album, like sort of Trivium had Shogun and, and sort of Rush had moving pictures even to draw a comparison there. Although that was, you know, that's, that's somewhat sacrilege in progressive circles to compare anything to moving pictures. But even so I am starting it's very rare for me, I think, to be hyperbolic and I'm starting to feel myself become hyperbolic in the moment about this album, which I think for me means around Christmas time, we're going to be having a conversation to it near the top of our list. Well, how could you not be hyperbolic about it, Sam? Because the context behind the record, the record's theme, the band that have done the record, the quality of the band, the way the music is produced, the performance aspect to the album the delivery of some of the choruses, the moments of just complete splendor in the instrumentals. How could you not be hyperbolic? How could you not be caught up in the moment? You know, if you can listen to this as someone who loves metal and as someone who loves Mastodon and you don't get caught up in the moment, you've got a fantastic level of control over your emotions. In fact, an alien-like level of control over your emotions because... There's so much to get caught up over. Do you get caught up over the stunning instrumental in the middle light of Eyes of Serpents? Or do you get caught up in the fact of Gobblers of Dregs is the longest song that Mastodon have done since uh, Crack the Sky? Uh, do you get caught up in the fact that Pushing the Tides has got one of the great courses of Mastodon's career? Or the fact that More Than I Could Chew has got one of the brilliant outros in metal, full stop, that's happened in the last 20 years? Maybe you get caught up in the fact of Pain with an anchor starts with a fading of Brandaila's drums or maybe you'd get caught up in the fact that I've had it all is one of the most moving metal songs or just songs that you will have heard in quite some time there's so much on this album for you to just sink your heart into that for us to not be hyperbolic about it I believe would be strange I think that this this will have another album, my goodness, that will absolutely be in contention for album of the year. And I don't mean in contention in terms of like, I might put it ninth. This is like contention, contention. Because it's it's genius, man, this album. It, it's the least heavy. I, like I say, I'm not incredibly familiar. Like I've not heard The Hunter. I've not heard Blood Mountain. I've not heard Once More Around the Sun. But it's it's the least heavy I've heard Mastodon without sacrificing 
any kind of technical legitimacy. This album is beautiful. This album is heavy. This album is fun. This album is fascinating. This album is interesting. This album is passionate. And this album is just straight up genius, man. I I cannot say enough about Hushed and Green by Mastodon. And also, like I said, it's a double album that justifies the fact it's a double album in metal. And, you know, who thought you'd ever hear, hear that? But, you know, if I said to you last year, uh, oh, in 2021, uh, about a metal band's going to release a double album and it'll justify, it's a metal album and it'll justify the fact it's a double album, who do you think it would be? You'd have proceeded to say Mastodon. You would have said Mastodon because they are would they they are the, the most reliable band in metal to put your hat on to be like, yep, they'll do something quality. I don't believe these. How could these musicians of this quality get into a studio and have the outcome not be amazing? I just don't think that is a possibility. Although, like you said, supposedly once more around the sun did get a little bit of stick. Although I love the mother load. That song's amazing. Yeah, I think I think it just speaks to their consistency, their their ability, their impact, their role in metal, their everything everything um the goods the goods have been delivered chris the, like in terms of the expectation of the goods being delivered the efficiency of their arrival and their subsequent delivery everything's been sort of above board i think i they're just a tremendous band i think i think this is an album that works for them from a, a wider audience standpoint as well i think this is simultaneously an album that appeals to their pre-existing fan base and may bring in other members because there are moments of real accessibility on this mixed in with, as you say, moments of, of utter artistry here. Um, yeah, it's just, a, it's, it's a work of art. It really is just a masterpiece. That is where we are going to uh, leave off episode 85 of the noise podcast. That was me and Sam discussing hushed and grim by Mastodon. It's out on the 29th of October. You've only, as we release this episode, you've only got a week left to wait. And, for, and I assure you, Oh my goodness. It is worth it. Now, usually uh, we would be back on the 26th of October for our usual schedule of episodes. However, I'm going to be on holiday. So we've hit you with two episodes in the week here. So we are actually going to take a, a slightly longer break than usual, but we will be back on the 9th of November. So the 9th of November will be the next episode that me and Sam conduct. Uh, we'll be making quick mention to the Knock Loose EP, making quick mention to the White Chapel album, Kin, and the new Bullet for My Valentine album as well, as well as possibly I'll look and see if there's something brand new coming out that we should talk about. If you're listening, uh, thank you so much. Um, subscribe. Uh, that's the best way to help me and Sam. Uh, it was, again, watching the sub count go up for me and Sam, considering we do this out of our bedroom, is the coolest thing in the world. Um, like or follow, depending on whichever service you are using. Follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. This has been the coolest, one of the cool, one of the coolest reviews me and Sam have done. I'm really proud of what we've done here, Sam. So, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we are going to be back on the 9th of uh, on the ninth of November. Take care. Listen to the Hushed and Grim when it comes out. It's incredible. We love you. Bye.